The Guardian. To swipe left or right these days, that is the question. Online dating started to become popular pretty much as soon as the internet did. In 1994, the dating site Kiss.com was founded, followed shortly by Match.com in 1995. Over the next 15 years, the number of people meeting love interests online grew exponentially. For our Valentine's Day episode this year, we heard from Michael Rosenfeld, professor of sociology at Stanford University. Who told us that meeting online has become the number one way that heterosexual couples meet? A lot of that is probably down to the smartphone, which led developers to create apps that enabled online daters to say yay or nay to prospective suitors anywhere they liked. People didn't really assess or understand interest meaningfully because they weren't matching. With the other individual and understanding that this person was interested in as well, and that was obviously the huge innovation with Tinder, whereby people understood that the other person was interested in them. These days, there are several prominent apps promising that their latest algorithm will help you find a match. There's Bumble, Hinge, Grinder, Plenty of Fish, OK Cupid. And many, many others. To build your profile, each dating app asks for a varying amount of personal information. It's pretty common to hand over your age, your gender, what genders you're interested in, and maybe something about what you do for a living. But lately, people want to know more about each other before they dare to meet in person. And there's one question in particular that more and more people seem to want to know before they take an online conversation into the offline world. Who are you voting for in the next election? I'm also the co-founder of this tool, which we used in the 2017 general election, and it allowed people to canvass using their Tinder profiles. I'm Jordan Erica Weber, and this week I look into the rise of identity politics in the world of online dating. Political party affiliation has inched closer to our social identities in general. So we use conservative or liberal or other means of political affiliation to tell people something about our worldview, and that includes fundamentals that often factor into relationships. This is Chips with Everything. Rainsford, where are we talking to you from today? I'm in New York City. Rainsford Stauffer is a freelance writer who covers the intersection between technology and culture. She's based in New York City, which, as you'll hear, is a tad noisy. You might hear the occasional siren throughout our conversation. Your article for GQ begins with the line, "Long gone is the notion that it's impolite to talk politics on a first date." When did you first start noticing that political talk was creeping into online dating? It's interesting because I have a lot of friends who are very active in online dating. It's something that they're doing on a weekly, if not daily, basis. And in conversations with them, I started hearing that they were seeing more and more political ideology popping up in people's dating app bios, where people weren't just selecting conservative or liberal or another political affiliation, but were including actual political phrases and how they were representing themselves. Some common ones were if you voted for Trump, swipe. Left 
or endorsements of 2020 United States presidential candidates. And so from there, I started looking into how this might be manifesting beyond just the people I knew and found that there's actually a lot of data to back up that dating is, in fact, getting more political. She wrote a piece for GQ magazine earlier this year about the potential ups and downs of showcasing your political affiliations on dating apps. One of the things that we were really hoping to examine was the idea of a faux political culture where someone's political beliefs are represented in a way that don't tend to be that way in real life. In other words, they're saying that their political ideology is one thing, um, maybe in order to secure a date or to impress someone or to fit in with a group, only to find out that that does not match their actions and their behavior in real life. We are going to make America great again. In 2018, OkCupid conducted a survey of its users, which threw up some interesting insights into what traits people deemed important when looking for a partner. OkCupid did a study that found a 64% increase in political terms on user profiles following the election of Donald Trump. And then what they did is in 2017, they added a filter that allowed users to filter in and out of seeing Trump supporters. So the statistics showed that there was a significant increase in mentions of politics on OkCupid profiles. So they updated the app to include new questions that they said datas are extremely passionate about. So things like, is climate change real? Do you feel there should be a ban on immigrants from predominantly Muslim countries entering the US? And then the question, Trump. Do you think that this uptick in political discourse benefits these dating apps? I would say so, and I think that because in interviews I did with experts, there was a phenomenon that they brought up called sorting, which experts explained has occurred over the last several decades. Essentially, it means how we identify in a partisan sense in terms of political party affiliation has inched closer to our social identities in general. So we use conservative or liberal or other means of political affiliation to tell people something about our worldview. And that includes fundamentals that often factor into relationships as things as simple as whether someone believes in splitting housework equally or if their preference is to attend church every week. In other words, what came up time and time again in reporting was how our political identities aren't separate from other parts of who we are, which means that some individuals who are dating and meeting people believe that politics is a fundamental to have in common. And what we're seeing more and more now is that people don't want to waste time when they don't agree with someone on things that are really fundamental to how they view the world and how they're building their lives. They want to know sooner rather than later that they agree on these basics of what they think the world should be like. Experts are looking into why this trend for picking out the political in a potential partner is on the rise. Dr. Jess Carboneau, I am a sociologist who studies online dating and relationships. You've previously worked for the dating companies Tinder and Bumble. What exactly did your role as a sociologist in these companies entail? Well, my job as a sociologist was really to understand how users interacted with the app and how that experience informed their interactions. How did swiping left or right affect what people thought about different partners? How did our algorithm connect people? How do people think about 
what they're saying regarding themselves. What makes people want to swipe right on somebody? I was trying to explore all of those questions empirically and help our product team inform what the product would look like and inform our marketing team how to connect with potential users. After the 2016 US presidential election, Dr. Jess, as she's widely known, conducted a study to analyze which signifiers on dating app profiles had the most impact on user behavior. And the research really came out because I was very curious about the behavior that I'd begun to observe during the 2016 election, where I saw people signaling different things like swipe left if you are a Hillary supporter or swipe left if you're a Trump supporter. It was really interesting to observe and to see how people were signaling directly to people their level of disinterest in a romantic partner who didn't share their political views. It wasn't just an individual remarking, I support Donald Trump or I support Hillary Clinton. They were directly telling people, walk on by if you are interested in somebody politically who doesn't share my viewpoint. For example, I found that LGBTQ users were far more likely than their counterparts who are um, heterosexual to discuss politics as being something really important in a post-2016 world. And I think that's because that directly following the election, people were incredibly frightened and scared about in the United States, what was happening with Donald Trump and different changes that were going on uh, with restrictions um, in the transgender community, in the LGBT community, what would happen in terms of the composition of the United States Supreme Court and recent decisions that had affirmed gay rights. So all of these things, I think, were really coming to a head and people were talking about it in their profiles. From your analysis, did you find that people were more likely to match with someone who shared their similar political views? So in essence, what I found was that individuals, when conceiving and thinking about what makes something a deal maker and a romantic partner, do not at a significant level believe that politics are a significant deal maker. In other words, having the same political views doesn't necessarily make you significantly more likely to match with somebody. However, having conflicting political views can significantly decrease your likelihood of matching with somebody. That said, not everyone wants to know so much about a person's political preferences. Rainsford talked to some people who find that kind of signaling a turnoff. We spoke to several people, some included in the article, some not, who didn't feel comfortable listing a political affiliation at all. They felt like there were certain subjects similar to sex and religion that were much better discussed in person and were very concerned with someone making a preconceived judgment about them based on a label that they felt they were more inclined to explain in an in-person interaction. Does that go even further? Are there instances in which people lie outright about their political stance? We spoke to a lot of people who felt like there were instances of their date's political ideology being misrepresented, where the individual had either outright lied about their political views and how it matched up with their actions in the real world, or had maybe exaggerated to make themselves appear more liberal or more conservative than they actually are. And what we found was that signaling on dating apps isn't just political. We do it all the time, even without realizing it, where we list ourselves as an Oxford comma enthusiast, or we use a lot of photos of waterfalls to 
illustrate how adventurous a certain user is. And so what we found was that people were actually very concerned that they were going to go into a date with someone thinking that they were on the same page politically only to find out later in a variety of different circumstances that that wasn't the case at all. With what's going on in the UK right now, the country is pretty divided, much like the US is, I guess. Do you think that this rise in people signaling their politics on dating apps is due more to, for instance, just the evolution of the technology that allows them to do that? Or is it due to what's happening offline? I think it's both. Because politics and what's happening in the news is so omnipresent around the world, it almost feels awkward to not talk about it or acknowledge it in some way when it's seeped into every facet of our lives. It's not just turning on the news or reading a headline in a newspaper anymore. We can see everything that's happening around us on social media and illustrate our opinions on that very clearly. Social media also gives people the opportunity to essentially view their dates before meeting them, which individuals I spoke with indicated gave them a lot of insight into that person's political ideology alongside other things like their hobbies. So in one way, our technology is getting much more intuitive where these apps are tapping into things that people want to know about potential partners prior to meeting them. But it's also due to the omnipresence of politics and the fact that we're living in a political time where we're surrounded by different viewpoints and breaking news every step throughout our day. And that translates onto dates as well. After the break, we'll look at how a couple of activists turned the Tinder app into their very own election lobbying ground ahead of the 2017 UK general election. Yeah, so there was one relationship that came out of it and apparently they went to the pub and started singing the Jeremy Corbyn song and the whole pub joined in. We'll be back after this. Welcome back to Chips With Everything. I'm Jordan Erica Weber. This week, I'm looking at why people are increasingly indicating their political preferences on dating apps. My name is Yara Rodriguez Fowler, and I'm a novelist. I'm also the co-founder of this tool, which we used in the 2017 general election, and it allowed people to canvas using their Tinder profiles. Okay, so let's go back to 2017. Producer Danielle spoke to Yara about an idea that came to her when she was using Tinder, just before people went to the polls in that year's general election. Along with her friend Charlotte Goodman, and with the help of developers, Yara created a Tinder election bot. We were sort of frantically putting up Facebook statuses with the register to vote link, that kind of thing, but we were only reaching within our bubble, which was like university-educated left-wing people. So we were like, how can we reach people outside of our bubble who have already agreed to talk to us? in a way that's free. So we started messaging our Tinder matches. So we were doing that manually, which was just like talking to different people on our Tinder matches. And what we found that evening is that people were really happy and receptive to that kind of conversation. And we signed up lots of people to register to vote. But what we found is that Tinder's obviously location-based. So we were just signing people up in a safe labor seat. And it was not an effective way to sort of spend our time or they were not key voters basically so we thought like okay so we know that canvassing on tinder works 
how can we do it so that we're reaching people in swing constituencies and it's more efficient. So we got together with two amazing developers called Erica, Phoebe and Carl Butner and we basically created a hack. Did the Labour Party know you were doing this? We never had like any official conversations with the Labour Party at all. Like I have obviously friends who were volunteers for the Labour Party who would see what we were doing on Facebook but like we never had any kind of consultation or conversation with them or like told them. Um, So I'll just add one more thing to the Labour Party question, which is we did tell people to vote Lib Dem in a couple of Lib Dem Tory swing districts. So it wasn't a strictly pro-Labour, but it was kind of an anti-Tory bot, if that makes sense. That does make sense. Okay, talk me through how you developed the bot, the four of you. Um, How did you build it? So it was one of the most amazing projects I've ever worked on. We were never in the same room until afterwards. We were working completely remotely. And just like around our jobs, Erica and Kyle, who are just fantastic and so creative, they wrote the code and we were testing it. And this took sort of like two, three weeks where we sort of worked out how we could make it more user friendly. And so a couple of days before voting took place, they launched the bot. We chose 20 constituencies that we thought were the most important. Charlotte did most of that and basically what she did is she looked at the number of young people in a constituency and saw like if they turned out at a higher rate could they swing that constituency and by young people we mean um, 18 to 25 so that was our criteria for choosing the constituencies we wrote a script so the way that this tool worked is that it's part automated and part not automated so basically there's always a real person behind a profile there's never ever a fake profile so it's like you on your tinder Yara estimates that about 150 Tinder users volunteered their profiles to be used by the bot. It says, hi, sunflower emoji, are you voting in for who? question mark. And then depending on what they responded, it would go down one of the various branches. So if they said like Labour, Jez, Jezza, etc, etc, then it would send them, it would be like, oh my God, amazing, me too. Um, and send them a link to their nearest to find their nearest polling station. If they said, I don't know, then it sent them a message about minimum wage, EMA and housing. So stuff that we thought like young people would connect to. If you were watching all these messages come in on your phone and being like, this is so cool, which most people, a lot of people were, uh, you can jump in anytime. So if someone's like, oh, I want to vote Labour, but I'm still really upset about the war in Iraq, you can chat to them and be like, oh, blah, blah, blah. Or if they say like, I've got some specific questions about the NHS. And you can also jump in and give a more nuanced response than the script was capable of doing. And then, but the bot responded, if you if they said that they were voting Tory, they came back with either... What it came back with in that case is it's, it didn't try and convince them. It just sent them to a website called Vote for Policies. And that's where they could say, like, what their values are or what policies they like and then it would tell them basically just like check you actually are a Tory. Our kind of strategy was primarily focused on turnout and then only secondarily focused on convincing people. So when people said originally that they might be Tory or that they were thinking of voting Tory and then they were sent a message to go to the Vote for Policies website how would people respond to that? Would people then, I don't know, get a bit miffed or were they responsive? Um, I don't I don't believe we got that many miffed messages to that particular message, but I have to say that didn't happen very often. There were not many people that responded to that first message saying, I'm voting Tory. And did many people figure out at the beginning of these messages when they were automated, did many people figure out or kind of question, hey, is this a real person? Not at the beginning. I think 
I think because it was fun and because it was such a charged election and this was such a different project is that a lot of people would get involved in the conversations mm. and if something came up that the script couldn't respond to a lot of people just really wanted to then jump in so quite often the conversations just became completely independent of the script. And when the human volunteers got their Tinder profiles back, some of them continued to carry the torch. In one case, the bot even turned out to be the ideal matchmaker. Yeah, so there was one relationship that came out of it, and apparently they went to the pub and started singing the Jeremy Corbyn song and the whole pub joined in. Labour did well in the 2017 election, gaining 31 seats. The Tories did not. The Conservative Party leader of the day, Theresa May, lost her majority. Yara and the others were obviously very happy, and they really believe that their bot deserves some credit. When someone stops you outside your tube station to talk about politics or knocks on your door, like you haven't, you haven't agreed to have a conversation with them, you don't necessarily have anything in common with them. Whereas in this situation, you could leave the conversation whenever you wanted to, when you're being canvassed to, and you're like, no. You can stop replying, again, that's fine. And also you're being spoken to by someone who is going to have some stuff in common with you because, like, you've matched, right? So you're about the same age. And what we said to our volunteers is we want 18 to 25-year-olds who set their age profile to 18 to 25. Our theory is that that led to better conversations and that people do like talking about politics, especially with people that they connect with. That's something that feels good and important and meaningful. Um, so that's sort of part of why we think it worked. Yara and Charlotte co-wrote an op-ed for the New York Times after the election in the UK, using their experience as a sort of call to arms for people who would like to see President Trump voted out of office. We're now just over a year away from the 2020 US presidential election, and we're poised to see another general election in the UK at some point. But Yara says that the duo is waiting to see what happens before they make any plans to make another bot. You could see this kind of refinement in people's preferences as a good thing, something that just makes it easier to discover potential pitfalls before they get involved with someone, so they can save that energy for a better match. But some would argue that narrowing our view of someone before we get to know them risks shutting ourselves off from love. I asked both Jess and Rainsford what they thought. I think that we are being too particular and too narrowing in so far as our political views and what we believe those political views, at least at the broader level of party affiliation, mean in terms of our own values, our own character, etc. And I think it distills political affiliation into fundamental values and fundamentally who you are as a person and how you see the world. And I, I don't necessarily believe that's true. I think that's something that's perpetuated um, by a 24-hour news cycle and by increasingly polarized political parties. And to a degree, that's true. But something I think is crucial to point out is that it would be hard to date someone or even get along with someone who, for example, doesn't think that you all share the same fundamental human rights. 
And so for a lot of people, this isn't just about fun and games on a dating app and swiping right or swiping left. When someone's looking to build a life with a partner, it just makes sense that they want someone who has those fundamentals in common. And so as technology evolves, I think that we can expect to see an increase in an emphasis on activism and participating civically in dating apps, as well as people being a lot more open about having political conversations and sharing their worldview. Huge thanks to all our guests for joining us on the show this week. But that's all from me. Make sure to let us know what you think of the show. You can email us at chipspodcast@theguardian.com and leave a review wherever you're listening. I'm Jordan Erica Weber. Thanks for listening. For more great podcasts from The Guardian, just go to theguardian.com slash podcasts.